Welcome back to Beyond, Beyond the, the Void. Void Horror Podcast. That's right. It's episode 256, and we are on our final week of Voidtober. <laughs> no, it's probably a good thing. Yeah, <laughs> we're probably not going to have to work as much. Right. But that's okay. We like to work around here, don't we? We like to go crazy and stress. <laughs> <laughs> I want to sleep. But that's okay, because today, guys, we're going to be talking about, one, our giveaway winner, two, also, we're going to be talking about The Exorcist, the director's cut, the never-before-seen footage, you know? Uh-huh. A.K.A. Walk Down the Stairs Crazy Backwards. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're also going to be, oh, from 1973, and also we're going to be watching... Invasion of the Body Snatchers from 1978. That's right. So it's going to be a chalk-packed, fucktober, awesome episode extravaganza. <laughs> Are you, re- are you ready for Halloween? I mean, no, but I think this is the most I've done for Halloween in a long time. Right. Uh, I don't know. I'm really excited about it. I mean, we're going to have extra candy and stuff. We don't really have trick-or-treaters come by or anything. And So I give out uh, big candy and stuff. Yeah, she gives out the whole candy bars, guys. Like, I she's go to like Costco and I get the, the, the big box full of the full-size candy bars. Exactly. So the kids are like always happy. They're like, holy shit. Like... <laughs> You didn't just give me a nubbin? <laughs> so how are things with you? How are you doing? What's going on with you? I am good. I'm just busy. Dude, busy, I was busy. ready to go to sleep until you got me those fucking energy drinks, man. Oh, they help? It fucking helps. Yeah, it helps. Oh, I mean, good. last night I went to sleep. I kept waking up like nine fucking times. I don't know how many times it was. It was a lot of times compared to, you know, I, I just need sound REM fucking sleep. You went to bed early, too. I went to bed at 11 o'clock. Yeah. And it's early for you. Yeah, it is early for me. <laughs> and uh, Oh, my God. We're so old. We're, like, talking about uh, sleeping and shit. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, it was Friday. So, I mean, oh, think about it. Yeah. We're old. <laughs> ah, yeah. Welcome to the Geriatric Podcast. Speaking of cool, did you guys check out our new merch? <laughs> Everybody's getting fucked with those shirts, let me tell you. Because uh, I had already seen some pictures. I was hoping they would just show me the shirt, but they were were showing them in sexual positions and it was really awkward i mean please stop sending them i don't need dick pics either guys like this is really (laughs) weird (laughs) i'm just kidding please don't do that 
<laughs> anyway, now we got some pictures from some people that ordered stuff. You guys rock. Fucking love you. Uh, those designs took a long time from both uh, the awesome secret awesome headquarters, which I love that one. I still want to get one before we close up the shop. And then the one I designed, too, which I was pretty happy with. I think I did a good job. So oh, totally. Uh, as we mentioned last week, we are going to be closing up the shop. Probably not on the 1st of November. We're going to probably do it like, you know, a week or two into November, um, which is fine, you know. But then we're going to do just, you know, single options like every two weeks or something. Yeah. Like, hey, guys, this next two weeks, we're going to be selling mugs. You know, if you haven't gotten your BTV mug, blah, blah, blah. And you can get annoyed with me for bringing it up every week. (laughs) (laughs) Don't miss your opportunity. But, yeah, we have a lot of stuff on there. I understand it's confusing. Please help us support the podcast with that. It goes a long way to help us out. If you haven't, there's stickers on there. There's like cheap things on there that you don't need to spend a lot of money for. And it usually takes like a printing. It takes about a week or two to get out to you. And it's a print on demand. So like once you get it, it'll come out in a couple of weeks. They say within two weeks. I think we got ours in a... Kind of like a week and a half. Week and a half, yeah. So, But other than that, we do also have a Voidtober giveaway for the vip club if you guys don't know what the vip club is and you've been missing out on listening to the podcast or me talk about it endlessly on youtube because <laughs> uh we we do a giveaway every so often and uh this one's a big one this is 21 fucking movies you know some of them one is like a three pack and then like we have one that's a two pack and there's a couple in there that are mixed in there but there's a lot of really good choices in there of dvds and blu-rays we had some that were brand new some that are ours from our own personal collection. It's just everything that we could kind of fit into a box, pretty much. And it ended up being 21, literally on the nose. Right. So, Christina, would you please... Drum roll? Please. I'll drum roll it, bitch. No, you don't really have to do it. Oh. The winner is Terry T. Diz from Arizona. Oh. Booyah. Good. Congratulations. Congratulations, mother father. Probably is one. I don't know. <laughs> but uh thank you so much Terry for listening and everybody that have, you know, signed up and everything. We understand that everybody wants to win. We've actually gotten quite a bit of signups um here recently, so it's it's made thank the pool you. a little bit bigger. Uh so that means that, you know, less people get picked than they would like. And uh sorry Josh, you're not a winner yet again. Although we did find your name in there to see if you'd opened our emails. <laughs> he was checking. <laughs> he purposely was like, oh, wh- where is he? I was like, where I hope he, he wins. But it uh, <laughs> looks like Terry beat you to the punch, brother. So um, plus, I always feel bad. Like when there's someone that's like our friends, you know, it's like, I don't want them, to, you know, like, but hey, if it lands on you, it lands on you. And it landed on Terry. So con- exactly. congratulations, Terry. We really appreciate you guys. Love you for supporting our channel and everything that we do, because it's a lot of work. And it's nice that we have people who enjoy what we do you guys genuinely mean the world to us that's why we do these things uh so yeah i'll stop talking thank you (laughs) i just i really appreciate that you guys listen i started this podcast because my friend asked me to do it and i always loved horror and this is like my way of watching horror movies with my friends and uh-huh. that's why it means so much to me. So, um, and now you're just stuck with me. Yeah, I know. Well, and if she wants to watch it with me, but she's always so fucking busy. <sighs> right. Yeah. Fuck my family. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Fuck I'm just kidding. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> anyway, thank you, Terry. 
congratulations to everyone that didn't win. There's still time in the future. Just keep opening those emails and checking out our, our stuff and sharing our stuff. And, uh, maybe, maybe the good fortune will come on you one day in the future. So, but, uh, yeah, congratulations. October is almost over, guys. Halloween is over. What are some of your traditions that you like to do that you do every year? I would like to hear some of your things that you do. I tried to get Christina to put up the tree this year. No dice. Not this year. Sorry. No dice. Maybe next year. We've been so busy and we're just like. It's uh, it's just more work to put it up and then <laughs> I got to take it down. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I don't want to be happy either. I'm not. I, I might not even be here on Halloween. Like, oh God, you know, yeah. like, why? I'm not going to. Sorry. Well, I hope you guys have been having a very great season this month. I'm sure many of you have been watching plenty of horror movies, including the ones that we suggest, maybe, or not suggest, you know, kind of always up in the air. But <laughs> a few of you guys I know watch them with us, and you guys are extra special, so thank you. That That's like a book club or something. Uh. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, guys, I think it might be that time. What time is it? Horror Shots! <laughs> All right, so we figured, uh, I think we, we, we have actually talked about this movie on the podcast before many, many, many years ago. I think it was in the early. Oh, in the beginning. The very beginning. But I, you know, like those, so those times are so distant now. It's like, whatever. And the podcast is so different now. Right. And we've done, we, we put more effort, I think, into it now than we did before. Mm-hmm. I think we were doing like three scenes each or like a couple of scenes each uh-huh. in our spoiler section. And then it kind of evolved into kind of like talking about stuff which uh-huh. someone sent me an email by the way thank you by the way i won't say who you are because i know it's kind of like weird uh but they they sent us a message and they were like you know we really i really love your guys analysis Aww. on stuff so i'm like great it feels good to hear that when you spend 30 45 minutes each fucking movie <laughs> to, to talk about it you know what i mean right so thank you for that you rock i love you now on to the shot because i get distracted uh we're gonna be doing a shot based around the movie the exorcist and the title of this shot is called a captain howdy howdy dowdy howdy which is a nod to i think and this is what they say reagan in the movie who is the daughter who gets possessed has a father and they talk about him a little bit in the movie but they don't really yeah get into it yeah so captain howdy was apparently the nickname of her father Oh, okay. sounds like a fucking penis puppet show to me, but <laughs> whatever. Right, whatever. He's like, look at Captain Howdy. <laughs> look at me. <laughs> anyway, so since it's a Captain Howdy, we. I'm we... just look, Christine. I'm trying to get him primed up to want to drink this. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. And, and talking about a dude's dick is the best way, at least for the dudes that listen to this podcast. <laughs> anyway so we didn't know what we were going to put into this but we figured one ingredient had to be in there and that was one that i fought tooth and nail with her Ugh. captain morgan yeah we put some captain morgan in this bitch which is an ingredient we haven't used in a long time that's right and it's huge it's very huge and we used a monster energy drink, the green one. Right. How much is the parts in this, by the way? That's about half and half. Yeah. So you want to do one half Captain Morgan, one half of the 
monster energy drink, the regular green one. And we were trying to make it green. So it was like the puke, but it, it, it it's, it's kind of like piss. So maybe it's just Reagan pissing on the floor. I put some lime in juice she, in it too. She, she just laid out and did a Captain Howdy on the floor for you guys in a cup. And we caught a little bit of it in this little shot glass. And you're going to do a little sprinkle of, <laughs> you're going to sprinkle in a little bit of, <laughs> I'm sorry. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> you can sprinkle in a little lemon juice. <laughs> Lime. Yeah, but you have to do it while your family's playing piano and singing drunkenly. Oh, Otherwise, okay. it doesn't make much sense. Bring in a priest. Yeah. <laughs> okay, what What should we cheers to? Uh Oh, yeah, we got to say something. Your mother sucks cocks in hell. All right, let's go. Cheers. Cheers. Mm. It's actually pretty good. I like oh it. Oh my god, I hate Captain Morgan. Really? Oh, oh, oh. oh it's oh, not even oh. that strong. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, Captain Howdy, you feel so good inside of me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Anyway, if you want to put a little Captain Howdy inside of you, all you have to do is go to longlivethevoid.com and check out our hashtag horror shots section now. now. That's it for horror shots. I'm salivating too much. I'm just going to stare at you and piss just for the fucking shot. (laughs) Are you pissing your pants? What was that? They're going to make you pay up there. (laughs) Isn't that what she says or something? Something like that. (laughs) Anyway, guys. So we're going to jump into our flesh and potatoes of our The Exorcist. Director's extended cut, never before seen footage from 1973, and Invasion of the Body Snatchers, 1978. And we're gonna go ahead and do that right now. Alright, so I kick it off with the first one this time, and I'm going to do the information on the next one, too, actually. Uh, Christina did a little extra work on some of the trivia on the real exorcism that this is based off of, by the way. So be on the lookout for that in the spoiler section. So The Exorcist came out in 1973. It is based off of William Blatty's, William Peter Blatty's The Exorcist, which was released on December 26, 1973. When a 12-year-old girl is possessed by a mysterious entity, her mother seeks the help of two priests to save her. (laughs) Sounds like wacky. Tagline, the movie you've been waiting for without the wait. (laughs) I don't know why they would say that. Is that what you had to? No. What's yours? Christina wrote one down. The scariest movie of all time has returned in the version you've never seen before. That's the uh, the tagline for the uncut version. Yeah, because we're doing the director's cut on this one. The director of this movie is William Friedkin. He did movies like Sonny and Cher's Good Times, The French Connection, Al Pacino's Cruising, Sorcerer, which had music from Tangerine Dream in it, uh, The Guardian, which is pretty crazy fucking gore movie. Not 100% gore, but there's a really good gore scene in it. He did the movie Bug, mm-hmm. 
The one that I always been talking about recently. Didn't yeah, we? you have. Did we pick it up? We did. We bought the DVD. Okay, and he also did Killer Joe and more. This is written, screenplay, and the novel, of course, by William Peter Blatty. He wrote and directed movies, by the way, too. He actually directed The Ninth Configuration, which he also wrote as well as The Exorcist Three, which was based off of his novel called Legion. He also is known for writing movies like the very first, technically the very first Pink Panther movie, which was called A Shot in the Dark, which I want to watch again because when I was a kid, I loved that movie. Uh, it was the first one technically, but the Pink Panther came out first before it. Uh huh. And this is part of that collection. This is technically the first one, oh. but he he actually wrote that. He also wrote the movie Gun with two ends, which has that song. Do 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 do. Oh. With the fucking Blues Brothers played right. in their movie. Right. Yeah, it's from like the sixties. Oh, okay. Uh, which the shot, a shot in the dark has the same kind of music in it as well. Mm-hmm. Very cool, like jazzy sort of rock music or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. But, um, he passed away at the age of 89, January 12th in 2017. So just a few years ago. Some of the cast in this movie is Ellen Burstyn, who plays Chris McNeil, the mom. She's also played the mom in the Requiem for a Dream movie as well, mm-hmm. which was another stellar performance yeah, by yeah, her. But yeah. She should have gotten an award for supporting actress or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Because I, I thought she did a really good job as the mom in this movie. She had been acting from the late 50s on, and she was in movies like The Babysitter's Club, The Fountain, which is another movie that... that we direct- keep talking about, too. Yeah, it yeah. keeps coming up. <laughs> she was also in the 2014 TV remake of The Flowers in the Attic. Dude, She was yeah. a big part of the Louis that C.K. Book, show. I didn't know that flower, that Flowers in the Attic movie. I need to see that. I love that book. Oh, that yeah, v- yeah, yeah, That V.C. Andrews book. I mean, they've. this is probably the third time they've made a TV movie about it, but I didn't know she was the mom, and now I like. I really want to see it. I know. It makes it better. Yeah. Uh, she was also in Interstellar. She played the older version of that guy's daughter. Right, right. Uh, she was also in House of Cards, big pardon in that, mm-hmm. and many more. Uh, also starring Max von Sydow, who practically is just a legend. Mm-hmm. You know, this guy, he's just been in everything good. Right. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, he plays Father Marin in this. He was in The Seventh Seal, Minority Report, Game of Thrones, Star Wars, The Force Awakens, Flash Gordon, What Dreams May Come, Awakenings. Also, a lot of people don't know this, but he was actually the voice of Vigo in Ghostbusters That's 2. That's right. Which I was like, holy shit, I didn't know that. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like the yeah, very echoey, yeah. loud, deep voice. Yeah. Um, he was also in Dune, Lynch's version, which is big and out now, the new yeah, version. Yeah, that's kind of funny that yeah. the new version is coming out and he was in that. Dreamscape and so many wonderful movies. It's, it's insane. I could list them up for an hour probably. But he passed away just about a year ago in March of 2020 at the age of 90. We also have Linda Blair, who obviously is Reagan, the kid who gets possessed. She was in many movies, including Savage Streets, Hell Night, The Chilling, Witchery, uh, Witchery 4, which is like the House 4. And that's what they called it, La Casa 4. Mm-hmm. Um, the Exorcist 2, which of course she famously didn't want to be in, Night Force, and many more. We also got Lee J. Cobb, who plays Lieutenant William Kinderman, who was in 12 Angry Men. Exodus, The Bull of the West, Blood, Sweat, and Fear, and much more. We also have Kitty Wynn, who plays Sharon, the nanny. She was in The Exorcist 2, Mirrors from 1978, and a few more. She didn't do a lot. 
Jason Miller is also in this movie. Of course, he plays Father Damien Karras. 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 Damien Karras. Right. He was in part three. He was a huge part in that movie, although there's two different versions. The director's cut has not none of him in it. Really? <laughs> While the theatrical version has all of him in it. Yeah. Uh-huh. He It was supposed to take place of him wandering the streets, and that same Lieutenant Kinderman mm-hmm. is like, like part of this it's considered to be this immediate sequel to the exorcist okay at least that's what i remember anyway but he was also in rudy mommy the ninth configuration vampire from 79 and this was his first movie by the way pretty good yeah it was really good this movie had a budget of 11 million dollars and made 441 million dollars worldwide it was and i'm pretty sure still up there for warner brothers one of their biggest releases ever and it was for a while one of the largest horror movie releases of all time uh and even back then if you consider how much 441 million dollars worldwide is guys Mm -hmm. even with you inflation that shit's like insane Mm -hmm. how much money they made christina what is your thoughts about this classic all-time favorite film for many people well like you said it's a classic like everybody has seen this yeah like at any age (laughs) at some point yeah you're gonna run into it i really think um even as like an older movie this is like a the complete package of like a horror movie sure i kind of compare it to like rosemary's baby or the omen well it's because they all came out in the 70s yeah yeah but they but they didn't even compare to this Omen like, didn't, but did it? No. Okay. I, that's not what I'm saying. I just wanted to clarify for myself. Right. No, I'm just I'm just saying for the movies that came out during that time, th- like those movies didn't compare to this one. This one was those were a lot slower and more aesthetic. Okay. And this one kind of just had everything, in my opinion. Okay. Yeah, it was 76. Sorry, I just wanted to be clarify because there was a lot of that right, stuff. Right. The, yeah. de- the demon, the I- satanic stuff. Yeah came out during that time sure that's why i'm saying well rosemary's baby was from like the 60s but still that kind of kicked kicked it off and like that's you compare these movies as a whole and i think this one you know it's better than all the other ones because right. it just the storytelling of it and it is it's a really simple story i mean they really could have gone like deeper with it like omens kind of like deeper and more spread out because of the kid and you know, all that sure. stuff that goes along with that. This is really just like a really simple story. And I think it works really good. Okay. And of course, like, obviously, because it was nominated for fucking awards and shit. Yeah. And it won. And yeah. Back when they used to give them away. To right. Horror. And the actors and stuff were. Hereditary you know, got robbed. <laughs> Exactly. But yeah, I thought, you know, it's really good. It doesn't kind of hold up anymore. I think I could see it was very terrifying back then and people protested and walked out on it and stuff like that when it came out. No, Uh, it was popular. Yeah, when it came out. But I think nowadays, like when we're watching it, you know, it's kind of laughable. Like some of the moments, you know, it's not as terrifying. I think just because we've seen more terrifying. So some of this shit was kind of laughable and then it's also like with the the split pea soup and shit like that like you laugh because you know the stories behind it's all relevant of its time yeah exactly just like friday the 13th was a huge movie for people you know what i mean right so yeah eight out of ten right still holds up okay classic horror movie how about you so this is this is a tough one to review i mean this is 
considered by many people to be the ultimate horror movie of all time, you know? And in some ways, I still think it is. You know, it's it's literally set the stage for pretty much every single possessed, demonic, fucking possessed horror movie that's ever been made, for the most part. A few few examples have obviously changed the story around to make it their own personal thing. And, and even with this version, the never-before-seen director's extended cut came out, it was still doing things that they had never done before it. Just a lot of beats from this movie have been stolen and used in many different films, including sequels that, you know, have never quite compared to this, you know? Like all the different possession movies, all, of all the possessions in the entire franchise, this is by far the, the best, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the, its direct sequels. This one really pushed the boundaries for its time. Like, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, back in the 70s, a girl jamming a fucking crucifix into her crotch saying, let me, let him fuck you. Yeah, cussing and you know, stuff, like, yeah. Be- and just being vulgar. vulgar as fuck and how scary and frightening and like sh- that was for the for the time of like, you know, back then. Yeah, you don't do that to kids. Right. Like- yeah. Yeah, it's like the well not with kids you mean in movies you're saying. Right, yeah. But that said, while I enjoyed watching this movie again, it's not nearly as scary like you said, you know, and I'm it sucks. I feel like I'm chasing that high in some ways as when I first saw it, you know. Mm-hmm. Part of its charm is its authenticity, I think, with some of the actual lore of the demonic possessions and how much work Peter Blatty put into his fucking book. Like mm-hmm. he didn't just half ass his book. Like this was like legit fucking research that people did not know before him you know Mm -hmm. like he didn't even know and he became a believer because of this of 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 his book Mm -hmm. i think freaking as well because of that movie obviously some of it was from the book which he wrote to be as real as possible and then you know there was very few fucking documented cases of exorcism like three Mm -hmm. by the time he wrote the book so there was no expert on this so that just is so far ahead of itself it's like crazy that no one tapped into that before but you know it's also dolled up a little you know because it is for shock value in the movie you know they do some things that were either misinterpreted from the book uh and done a little over overdone which we'll get into in the spoiler sections or you know just dolled up to make it seem a little little more intense Mm mm-hmm it's there. I don't know. There's a lot of stuff in this movie that really goes for it that you would even, almost not even see in movies these days, you know, like with how vulgar it is. But it's the devil. So you kind of like write it off in your head, even if you were like religious or something. You're like, well, yeah, that, devil is as devil does, you know, Satan. I mean, that's the guy, the Satan in you. <laughs> Although I have some people. It's like, well, I think he was just a little too vulgar. Like, well, he's the devil. Dumbass. <laughs> I don't know, it's just weird thinking about it as uh, how things were probably back then in a polite society, polite-ish society. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying everybody was that way. I'm just saying that yeah, it was a little bit more out of, you don't know, cuss in public kind of thing as right. much. Um, but this, in a, in a lot of ways, is a movie that had a lot of the same word-of-mouth fanaticism of the times that The Blair Witch Project had. You know, I'm not saying that the Blair Witch Project is a better movie, by the way, because it's not. <laughs> it's definitely not. It was the hi- it's like the hype. Yeah, like this movie's like The Exorcist is a hundred times ten better than that film. But you know, it, it was believed to be real, so I kind of associate it with it. 
because, you know, like this movie, they had the book before. They had the History Channel thing for the Blair Witch. So it kind of like legitimized right. it in some way mm-hmm. and created that same viral sensation that everybody wanted to go see this movie more than one time. There was people I was watching the like, you know, the impact that it had on people and like they were filming people waiting outside and like I got all this like really fun stuff talk about that but they were like oh yeah this is my third or fourth time I've seen it and I've waited in line for you know five hours each time Jeez. you know what I mean in the rain uh-huh. like people were fucking watching that that's how how crazy this movie was mm-hmm. now obviously you know the Blair Witch made a lot of money I think it was like close mm-hmm. to 400 million dollars as well right I don't know, just created a media frenzy about it, shocking the world into paying to see the movie a a bunch of times. The Vatican was even cheering it on while some of the Baptist churches were damning it. Like, it was just a wild blitz of a movie that you rarely see anymore and could probably never really generate anything like that again. Mm -hmm. And so even if it isn't as scary to me now, I still have the utmost respect for that movie. It is shot well. It is acted great. There are some great performances in this movie. There is a legitimization to this whole fucking thing in the movie. The soundtrack. The the way that the demon acts and like how casually how she kind of like is chilling in certain parts. Oh, like, yeah. You know, yeah. it's just there's just little subtle things like they use a lot of diopter shots where they got like, you know, the holy water spilling as someone's mm-hmm. dead next to it. And it's just like little touches like that that really go the distance for me in this movie that make it something more than just a horror movie that's just scary right you know it's it's something to look at it's something that is performance and art and like it's really good movie so I can understand someone that's maybe younger who's coming into horror not really appreciating it as much because every other movie is borrowed from it. So it kind of lessens the value of this. But if you look at it from the perspective of, hey, this is one of the ones that did it first, then you really get the perspective of, wow, uh, horror has a big debt to this movie, you know, but. Seeing it again for me was almost like watching a documentary in some ways, you know, because I was like analyzing it in a different way than just kind of sort of watching it for the feels you know because i've seen it so many times you know right um but it's still enjoyable but i think a lot that made it scary is for is gone for me in a lot of ways which sucks because you're old yeah it just makes my job as a reviewer hard to 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 mention like what exactly i thought of it in a comparison of today i still think it's one of the best horror films out there whether you believe in the stuff or not and it's really well shot like i said accurate in its medical usage and psychology and everything like this is some like they had doctors and and priests that gave information on this stuff like this is not made up they were literally talking about fucking ritalin in 1972 or 73 right and i took the shit you know when i was in the 80s mm-hmm. and they still didn't understand it then and they're talking about it in this movie so right i was blown away by that but the extra scenes in this movie i don't know that i really enjoyed them i think a lot of them was in the beginning of the movie and i think that he added them because uh peter blatty did not like that freaking cut out a lot of stuff mm-hmm. in the original version the theatrical version there's like three or three versions there's like the tv one then there's like the the theatrical one and then there's the like extended cut director's cut so mm-hmm. but it does get into some interesting things about the mom to kind of really know where she's coming from and what she's done and a couple extra dialogue scenes and visual stuff but not really all that much right but it might take away from the flow and we didn't get to watch them back to back 
So maybe it's best to watch just the theatrical version. Some people say they prefer yeah, it. Yeah, I could see it taking away from the flow with those. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. Because even Freakin said when he did the theatrical cut, he was like, this flows a lot better than what we intended to shoot and what we had all this right. extra footage of. So right. maybe he's right. But anyway, this is a fucking classic. Even if you don't find it scary, it's still one of the biggest films to date and literally changed the world. If it's not a nine out of 10, it's a, it's a 10 out of 10. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like one of the movies that you, it's a legendary film and it may not be appreciated in the future, but well, I'm going to say nine out of 10. The remake's coming out next year. Eh, no way is it ever going to beat that. Yeah, I know. But... If it does, I will applaud it wholeheartedly. I will be very, very supportive of it. Right. I find it odd that the, the director who did Halloween 2018 is directing the remake. Yeah. 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 So it's kind of like, ooh. Yeah. I don't know that they're going to get that kind of... Because it's like very classical trained... Um, uh cinematography and right. like you know like there's some things that are done in in this movie maybe they can mimic who knows i just don't know i feel like this was just like you know different type of like filmmaking yeah totally that we're gonna get from that movie right and they're gonna have to really push the boundaries to shock people which is kind of and, and what are they gonna do what are they gonna repeat do? everything that they said like i mean like well, I mean, that's what they did with the Omen remake in 20, what was it, tw 2008? Yeah, but the, the, that was this like, is based oh. off a novel. So it's like, uh, do you honor the novel or do you honor the movie? And both of them are pretty honored yeah. one another, especially with this director's cut, I guess. Mm -hmm. So what do you do? Right. You know, and I don't want to hear, I don't know if I want to see a movie where they're just repeating the same shit again. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, it's tough. It's tough. It's I tough. just don't think it's going to have that impact. And the more and more people that want that, just like they wanted in Halloween Kills, they wanted to go back to the first Michael Myers. Everybody wants the first one. Guess what, dude? Cocaine, when you do it, it's never the same again. <laughs> you get high, you have a really good time, and you're chasing it for the rest of your fucking life. Welcome to horror. <laughs> The best you can do is hope for a brand new iteration that goes completely bananas and you love it anyway. So, <laughs> but yeah, so Christina and I obviously think this is a good movie. We gave it an 8.5 between the two of us. What do you guys think? Is it, is it still stand the test of time to you? Do you appreciate it more than you like it now? Or is it, you know, untouchable and it's still as good as it always was? Um, I, I definitely still have my opinions about that. You know, I don't know. I've seen the movie a, b a bunch of times. They just don't make films like that anymore. Right. I mean, they kind of do when you get something like Hereditary or, you know, or like The Witch or, you know, I don't know, just like classical trained acting. Mm -hmm. So, but we do have some trivia for this movie. I won't go through everything. And Christina is going to tell us about, you know, the original like exorcism of the child that was a boy, by the way. Um, and she'll get into that. So maybe we should do that first. Sure. Um, but if you guys don't want anything spoiled and you haven't seen the movie, which I'm going to find hard. Yeah. It's a but you know, maybe we got some younger viewers or listeners, you know, that haven't seen the movie yet. Right. And, and, and there's so many docu documentaries and stuff on this movie. You should really, I urge you to watch the movie if you haven't at the very least and just go watch it now. It's Halloween. This is a great movie to watch for Halloween. Mm -hmm. But uh, if you don't want anything spoiled, here's your warning. All right, guys, so now we're going to get into Christina's little piche 
about uh, the original exorcism. So, okay, so in 1949, this so, is what the book is based off of, by the way. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna okay. get to this. So in 1949, William Peter Blatty, the the guy who wrote the novel and this movie, he was reading the Washington Post when he saw an article about a Maryland boy, and his name was Ro- Roland Doe, obviously not his real name. <laughs> Um, but he was 13-year-old boy uh, born to a German-American Protestant family. So Roland's aunt died, and he began to hear weird scratching noises in the basement. Of course, it's always in the basement. Huh. <laughs> yeah. So the boy... It was the attic in the movie. Right, yeah. Well, the mom heard the scratching. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, scratching, you know, that's the same. So the boy said he saw an image of Jesus in his grandmother's room twist and move as if someone was hitting the wall behind it. At first, the family thought it was mice or and, or insects or something, and they called pest control. But uh, what happened next left them in no doubt this wasn't rodents or anything. So this is when Roland's mattress moved violently in the middle of the night. There was a constant bashing coming from the basement. A smell uh, flooded everything and ordinary objects uh, suspended in the air, like all the time. And this wasn't just the family witnessing all these attacks. Right. There was a story about a friend of Roland's was in the house and Roland was sitting in a chair. And then he quickly, without warning, he was thrown from the chair and landed multiple feet away. The, okay. the friend was. The friend. Yeah, the friend. I'm okay. Sorry. Yeah, because like in the movie, by the way, I wanted to mention this real quick before you go further. In the movie, they added some like objects being thrown against the door to lock them in. Remember when right, the, the right. nanny comes running towards the mom when she gets thrown back? Uh-huh. And the door closes. She's got blood all over her face. Right. Lick me! Lick me! <laughs> um... They said that that wasn't in the the book and that his story, uh-huh. but that that never never happened. But the, you're uh-huh. saying that there was levitating objects. Yes, there was levitating objects in the house. Mm, interesting. Okay. Um, and then that was the first time like someone outside of the family had witnessed all the crap going on. Right, because everybody thought they were crazy. Right. So Roland's mom thought he was possessed by his dead aunt. So they turned to a Lutheran pastor. Uh, who then witnessed everything going on um, and recommended they contact a Catholic priest. Oh, my God. So I thought that was interesting. They went through, like, three different denominations. <laughs> right. Um, so the family called a priest, uh, Friar William Bodern, um, who found Roland was in, like, a really bad state. Um, and he, he started doing a deep guttered voice and he kept lashing out, you know? Mm-hmm. So he was actually, Roland was moved to a psychiatric ward in the Catholic run, um, the hospital in Georgetown. Yeah. Right? Which is kind of cool that they, they still, in the movie, they still, it, everything was still in the same place. Right. Yeah. Almost, yeah. Which I thought was pretty cool. Well, he obviously was a historian of the area, if freaking. Right. Or not freaking, sorry, uh, Blatty. Right. So, uh, they didn't really know what happened to him while he was in this Catholic-run psychiatric ward. Hmm. Um, there was, like, some letters and, and stuff like that that was released in 1993. And I'm pretty sure the director of this movie did a documentary about it in 2017. Yes. Yeah, about all those Which was letters. very disappointing, by yeah, the way. Yeah, it, it was kind of boring. Yeah, it wasn't surprising. But, you know... The, I always thought that that little boy died, but no, I guess he came out of it 
um, he be he was a normal boy again. I didn't read anything about anybody getting killed or anything. Um, also, that Roland attended a Catholic school after that, and he became a devout Catholic, and then he got married and had three children. Hmm. So. Well, I wonder if it was called the Sonambulan form possession. Remember, we looked that up. Oh, that's right. So that's what they were calling it. Uh-huh. Like they were like, it's an ancient, uh, you know, really only found in tribes. Uh, we never really experienced. Well, it's right. kind of weird shit. Right. Uh, yeah. So it kind of makes you wonder, like, yeah, like how did this happen? Like, so he's just like fine. He's just normal. Everything's or, great. Or was it a psychiatric episode? Right. Well, yeah. They always yeah. try to hide behind that and play that on the movies too. Yeah, can't have anybody think there's ghosts and shit, you know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> God forbid. What if one one day we prove that they exist, guys? What you got then? <laughs> um, and what if they're not even like heaven and hell versions? Maybe they're just like. That's what I think. I don't think they are. It's just th- negative things. I think like this that energy crave life. is smart, so they kn- know to use the words demon and sh- angel and shit like that because. That's what most of human beings can relate to. Right. And they know that. And that's why they they say, I'm the devil, I'm the demon, because that's scary and they feed off that fear. So, of course, they're going to use those words to get that fear out of us. Right. Well, because I always like had that story that I always talk about. We're about the the dividers. Remember when I did that album? I was going to do the thing with, uh, I did an album that it was like a concept album that we were going to do. Uh-huh. Uh, about like people who were connecting through two other dimensions through uh, virtual reality, right? And they were tapping into like in between the uh, layers of reality, so like the, the the empty space, and the empty space actually wasn't empty. It was like full of these things that craved existence, but they weren't allowed to push through the layer, right? And doing this technology pushed them through and perverted reality mm-hmm. because you know it's just craving it's just eating it it's just like right so it's almost like the nothingness or something you know what i mean <laughs> um that's interesting so that was in 40s, the 40s. yeah uh, yeah 49 how long did that episode last what episode what the so, children the well, co- child from from when it started to him in the asylum it looked it looked like a uh, less than a year oh okay and then also those articles are on the internet you can find them and that was one of the only cases that had an exorcism uh I guess, yeah. Huh, okay. Well, I have uh, some stuff that we can talk about also on top of that uh, that deals more directly with the, the movie, of course. You know, uh, Did you know that Stanley Kubrick wanted to direct this film? No, I did not. Yeah, he almost directed it, but uh, he only wanted to do it to produce himself because as the studio was really worried that he would go over budget because that was kind of his thing. Oh. Over budget, over schedule. Right. Which, you know... They ran a tight ship and they didn't want to give that much, you know. I wonder what it would have been like, you know? Like, I wonder if it would have been, I don't know, just imagine picturing another parallel dimension where Stanley Kubrick did it too. Would it be as popular? I bet you it wouldn't for some reason, you know? Mm -hmm. Just like, who knows? Right. Um, but it is still, it would have still been written by Peter Blatty. So William Peter Blatty. So, right. Who knows? But, um, Part of the reason that this uh, movie got made, <laughs> or this book actually got written, is that William Peter Blatty once won $10,000 on the Groucho Marx show called You Bet Your Life in 1950. When Groucho asked what he planned to do with the money, he said he planned to take some time off to work on a novel, and this was it. 
Oh. Crazy, right? That is. This movie got 10 Oscar nominations, and it won Best Writing and Best Sound of those 10. Mm -hmm. It also had seven Globe noms, winning four of them for Best Motion Picture, Best Supporting Actress for Linda Blair, who was 13 at the time when she made this film, so that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, that is. Also got Best Screenplay and Best Director. The movie, you know, obviously started out kind of small actually so kind of again i don't mean to bring up the blair witch i'm not comparing it by (laughs) like the quality okay i'm just saying that has a lot of very similar uh beginnings right you know they started out in a couple of theaters and then it kind of spread out like i think this the same thing with paranormal activity they did the same thing right they started in like one theater and then it spread to another 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 and that's kind of how you did things back then Mm -hmm is to judge whether you're going to spend all this money. Now they just throw it out in all the theaters. On everything and streaming and everything. Right. <laughs> but yeah, it, it grew. It blew up in each city that it did. It sold out every single night for weeks. Like, that's insane. Um, It was such a huge success that people literally waited in the pouring rain to watch it. Remember I mentioned that? Mm-hmm. Friedkin and the producer felt so bad that they actually catered coffee to and food to these people. They had like wow. over 3,000 cups of coffee to people who were waiting at that theater Wow! to go see it because they wanted to see it that bad. The lines were so fucking long that they had to do like a coupon system where they'd be like, okay, this is for eight o'clock. Come back so that they could leave because the congestion on the streets was just insane. Uh-huh. So they had to try to do this coupon system to make sure that people didn't clog up the streets and everything like that. So, But the reports of people being genuinely terrified by the movie are all true. There were many would have to take breaks from the movie, um, you know, wait out in the lobby or whatever. Some a lot of people were fainting, throwing up. Uh, there were even reports of miscarriages. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> believe it or not. It, it was it was insane. Theaters literally had two types of smelling salts on, on hand. Oh, just in case. people Just fainted. in case. Yes. Yeah, that makes sense. Because once people fainted, they said that, you know, they didn't actually go back in. Uh-huh. <laughs> they were done for the time. So there was a scene in the movie that a lot of people, they say that a lot of people fainted from. Reagan is getting the arteriogram where she gets the fucking needle in her neck. Oh, yeah. And the blood spouting out is supposedly what made people, a lot of people faint. I can, yeah, because it's, it's, even now it's kind of like, oh, Jesus. It is like, kind of gross. I'm like, oh. Why are they doing that? Jesus. But yeah, that's that's where a lot of the people were getting sick and like like fainting because they didn't they couldn't stand the blood. Mm-hmm. But it was also just shocking. There were people that were getting sh- you know fainting from after that, long after that, because uh-huh. it was just so intense. Um, the Pope John Paul, I forget which one it was. I think it was like third or fourth. Mm-hmm. He was the he was quoted uh, saying that you know the demonology is something we should still continue to study mm-hmm. because of this movie. Meanwhile, you had other people who were protesting the movie saying it was satanic and that you shouldn't be involved with it because it's too close to Satan. So it was like, it's weird. You got the Pope saying one yeah. thing. You got, yeah. It's well, just. It, and it's cursed too. Cause they did, you know. Yeah. The there was, was They had death threats against Linda Blair even. That's from freaky. Some, yeah. Some from some religious zealots who believe the film glorified Satan. <sighs> yeah uh uh-huh they actually had to hire bodyguards for her to protect her for six months after the film's release people are crazy isn't that crazy yeah people are still crazy um apparently when they were making this movie they like i mentioned they did have real doctors real priests who contributed and were involved in the make in the movie Mm -hmm. 
as actors and everything like that. That's cool. So that they could have the legitimacy of like doctors and priests and shit like that in That's there. That's kind of cool too, because psych- psychiatry and stuff was still kind of you know ramping up as a, a social socially acceptable science. Right. So, and so it, yeah. So yeah, you have to be kind of on the spot with it. That was around the time when, they were closing up a lot of the asylums and shit like yeah, that. Yeah. Or at the least, very least, shortly before that. that yeah, that's right. So they were like not doing it anymore because it was considered to be inhumane and yeah. shit. And like, because people just wanted to like bury their problems. They didn't want to have to deal with it or look at it because they felt guilty about it. Right. And they were just like torturing these people like, because they didn't know how to handle them. Think about that. Your kid has ADD now. It is so commonplace now. Imagine taking him back to the 60s or the 50s having ADD he's got mm-hmm. a fucking you know they're just stupid they think he has a demon in his head or something like that right. I don't know right but yeah so this is definitely around a very ripe area of time where mm-hmm. you know psychiatry and psychology and shit like that was like right yeah so it's interesting that they sort of combine the efforts in the movie too like you know when she's like going to the doctors asking him for help Mm -hmm. and then he's suggesting a fucking witch doctor she's like you're asking me for a witch doctor right now right that was funny and she's like paid all this money and this is why like her acting in this was so good because you could just tell her frustration as a mother especially when talking to the doctors and stuff right she was really good you could just like feel like the frustration with her she was she was really good yeah she really was you know um i i know this is not as good a movie what was the movie that we watched that was kind of along the lines oh manitou there's a performance in there that the lady has it's actually pretty good it's along the lines of the manitou it's like it's a native tale you know indigenous uh you know god or something mm-hmm. uh, that that like infects this woman and she grows this bump on her back and it literally climbs out of her body oh wow and it's kind of along the lines of this not as good as a performance as obviously the exorcist but it, it's a it's a pretty good uh, performance and it reminds me of rosemary's baby and it kind of reminds me of the exorcist in some ways too mm-hmm. so if you guys are interested you should check that one out i think Scream Factory put it out or something like that. But I own it. I love it. So fucking bizarre, dude. <laughs> it gets bananas by the end. Uh, obviously, the demon in the movie is Pazuzu. We've talked about that. They pretty much popularized it. Oh, the de- demon's name in the real story is 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 Spite. 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 Huh. I kept wanting to say Sprite, but I was like, that's not Sprite. <laughs> that sounds why happy. He, why would he be called Sprite? Yeah, because he's happy. He's a, he's a bright little feller. <laughs> well, Captain Howdy ain't fucking so deep. But I like the name Pazuzu better. Yeah, so technically Scary. it's been depicted as a combination of animal and human parts, like with his right hand pointing upwards and his left hand pointing down. He has the body of a man, the head of a lion or dog, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> talons of an eagle two pairs of wings a scorpion's tail and a serpentine penis which i'll be honest i've never seen a serpent penis before so maybe they just mean it looks like a snake i don't know anyway (laughs) apparently pazuzu was the king of the demons of the wind the brother of humbaba and the son of god hanbi he also represented the southwestern wind the bearer of storms and drought so it's a real that thing. That son of a bitch. Yeah, I know. How dare you? Yeah. You should storm and drought over here in Arizona, please. <laughs> Is that? Do we need to summon this demon? I think we do. <laughs> Bust out the Ouija board. So some of this trivia, I mean, you guys probably already know some of it. Right. 
like you know like the 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 vomiting scene where she vomits oh yeah that's classic she wasn't supposed to vomit on his face it was supposed to be on his chest right but it came out like they only had one take of it and they did it in that one take he handled it well too he just took off his glasses well and then well there's two times that she pukes doesn't she puke on right i was thinking of the murin father murin when she puked on father murin yeah. And it was like right on his glasses. And he so just she kept spit going. at him or something. Yeah. Apparently, the vomiting thing was like a really big deal. It was a really big problem. Like it was making Reagan gag and also the oh, other I people bet. that that filled in for her because there was a lot of problems in that room. First of all, they kept it, they did it in a refrigerated room. Oh, yeah. Because you the, had to get the cold press. Right. She yeah. said that even after this movie was done, that she hated the cold ever since because of that movie. Right. She was in there for hours at a time. Right. So there was another actress named Mercedes McCambridge who provided the voice of the demon. And she would, what she would do to, to get that voice, because, you know, Reagan said her parts for the most part by herself. And then she just voiced over for them. She would use, she would swallow raw eggs, chain smoke to alter her vo- vocalizations. And the actress who had had problems with alcohol abuse in the past, she wanted to also drink whiskey as she knew alcohol would distort her voice even more mm-hmm. and create this like sort of crazed state of mind for the character as she was giving up sobriety. Oh, ouch. So that's tough. She insisted that her priest be present to counsel her during the recording process and at, you know, with William freaking his direction she was also bound to a chair with pieces of torn sheet at her neck arms wrists legs feet to be more realistic when she recorded these as well isn't that crazy that's crazy just to get this sound of a demon struggling against the restraints and she later recalled the experience as one of the horrific rage while Friedkin admitted that her performance, as well as the extremes for which she put herself through to gain authenticity, he said it terrifies the director to this day just how she did the voices. Mm-hmm. This is probably why Friedkin declined to call back McCambridge to provide demon voices for the TV's film's TV version instead to <laughs> deciding to do the voice himself, apparently. Oh, oh, that's funny. Yeah. Also, another thing about Mercedes Cambridge is that she had to sue Warner Brothers for credit as the voice of the demon. That's right, because didn't, they didn't give her credit. Well, now, this is what I heard also, is that William Friedkin said she didn't want credit. But as soon as fucking... Oh, it got popular. Right, because she won an award for supporting actress, Linda Uh, Blair, uh and she wanted that credit. Right. In fact, she wasn't the only one because there was somebody that filled in for her during one of the puking scenes, right? which was Eileen Dietz, who doubled as her, and she wanted to get credits and tried to sue and didn't win. Wow. Yeah, so it's, it's just... Just crazy. You know what I mean? Like, well, no, it, I don't think anybody knew that this movie was going to be as popular as it was. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. I'm sure they might have not have wanted to be associated with the movie because it was so, like, satanic. Right. But, yeah. Yeah. That's the choices you make, though, I guess. Like, yeah. I mean, kind of sucks. I, I, I respect her for wanting to do it for that sake. But then in the same respect, you're just like, why not just put your name on it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, you're doing all this work. It's obviously, like, it really paid off, and I respect that she did it because it's right. very authentic. Right. There's, you know... No, nothing like it. Nothing like nothing it. Nothing like and it. And anything after it is is trying to mimic it. So. Right, exactly. Um, apparently, by the way, do you know the face that you keep seeing throughout the movie? Right, the white, yeah, the face. Yeah, with the red eyes yeah. and shit. That was the original face that was supposed to be on Reagan. That would have been weird. I don't know. It might have been kind of creepy. Right? 
I don't know. I like what they did with her makeup and stuff. Yeah, like they were going to change her face, but they decided not to do it and go for a more realistic thing. They, I think they chose well. That kind of looks like just the flashes of the demon and the right. You know, to know that that demon is there, lurking about. Yeah, and obviously it's in her, but you can't you can't transform that bad. You know, like when well, I think they added realistic. it in in like one scene where the. In the, the rector's cut now, right. where, where she's, like, running to another room. Remember, we saw it in the kitchen, and she's going past the, like, air vent. Right. You, like, see it on there, and it looked a little too new mm-hmm. to be old olden right. times. Like, right. like they would have overexposed it to, like, put it on top of the film to make it kind of peer. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Anyway, so that's pretty much it. I mean, there's a lot of trivia on this fucking movie. I mean, it is one of the biggest movies ever made. Mm-hmm. So I could go on and on and on and on. I got a few things tucked into some of our scenes, but let's just go over some parts that really kind of moved us, uh, our, our, and or shocked us or, you know, surprised us maybe that they did that back then or whatever. You know, do you want to kick something off? Or? Yeah. Well, I totally forgot like how she even became possessed to begin with, like where the, you know the doomer even came from yeah they don't even and really spend a lot of time on they, it either they, re- they really don't which is fine they really don't need to i love how um, accepting the mom is of it too she's just like oh show me right right yeah first his name is captain howdy yeah and then she she brings out the ouija board and then you're like oh well that's where it came from because yeah. the ouija boards are portals well kind of portals you, it, it kind of makes you wonder about the whole like von Sydow thing you know like, I know that they wanted to kind of like show you that he had been this, this demon sort of had hunted him down for finding him and stumbling upon him. Yeah. Yeah. That's like the kind of the story, right? Right. Because they do a lot of time in the beginning of him finding the statue, the headless statue, and then finding the real statue. Right. And then him kind of coming face to face and in that really great shot that they do. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it I don't know. He dies so quick. It's just like, yeah, it feels like it's not really that much of an ultimate showdown. And I, I, for whatever reason, remember the fucking like the whole exorcism lasting longer in my mind. I did, too. I and, remembered it was longer. Right. And I don't know if I just you were just too ter You were terrified about what was going on. I've so seen it, just, it a lot of times. Right. But I just don't I don't know. I, I feel like it should, we should have watched the other one, too, you know? We, but I just wanted to pick some ones that were different, you know, just to see. But it always makes me curious. Like, what am I missing? What am I, you know? Um, hold on. So the head spinning scene where the mom comes in. She hears two voices and Reagan's voice is all distorted. And she's saying, let him fuck you. Let him, Jesus, fuck you. Let him fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> um, she's like stabbing herself. That That to me right there, dude. That and the and the lick me thing, that is just creepy as hell. Is gross. Yeah. Well, yeah. It is vulgar it's and a gross. Kid right. And it's like it's just there's just so many emotions that are going on in that moment. Pushing your mother's face into your fucking crotch, right? And saying lick it and stuff like that is just like insane. And then you know lick it, lick it. Okay, you've already said that. We got I'm trying it. To, I'm trying to mimic the the way she does it. But you can't. But she, like, falls back, hits her head, and blood all over her face. I was like, gross. And then the door gets blocked by the chair, and her head turns around and says in a man's voice, Do you know what she did, your cunting daughter? <laughs> like, I'm like, what the fuck is happening like right here? <laughs> Who is that voice? Does it even know? Do we even know? I don't know. That was the only time they used that voice. Yeah, I was like, what the fuck? 
Peter Blatty said that the freaking misinterpreted the head spinning scene. He said Reagan's head was described as turning almost all the way around, not literally all the way around. <laughs> you know what I mean? So when they did that, a lot of people were like blown away by that. That was like one of the biggest scenes in the movie, in the yeah, theater. Yeah, yeah. And I would think, I think that's like kind of a happy accident. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where it kind of showed it up for the movie. Doesn't make it as realistic as a real exorcism, but it's still cool to see because you never see anything like that. Right. But I don't know. That, that, that whole scene, that's the big one for me. Mm-hmm. Is there a specific scene that? Well, I was just saying, I really liked how when Father Murren shows up to do the exorcism and the other uh, priest, is like, well, let me tell you the multiple personalities that that she she's showing, so you're more prepared. And he's like, no, no, nope. There's just one. Let's do it. You know, he didn't want to know who anybody was. He just wanted to go in there and do the exorcism. And that's such know? a great, great thing that they put yeah. in that is yeah. that that Father Karras is the psychologist for all the priests, mm-hmm. and so he comes from a place of science where he's judging religion on a daily basis Mm -hmm. because he's realizing that a lot of this stuff is just made up in people's heads right so he's dealing with his own you know faith personal demons in a way yeah with him dealing with his mother right and they make that a very big point in the movie and i thought that the additions to that oh dimmy and her turning into the mother his mother right just those little little touches and things when they're in that room that is another really good scene. Yeah, like feeding, those are feeding off his guilt. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Your mother's in here with us. You want me to leave her a yeah. message? And I mean, you can't explain that. You know, psychology can't explain this thirteen-year-old girl knowing well what you know the mother there was called a, him. Do you remember when he says, "If you if that were true, then you would know my mother's middle maiden or whatever." They used to use parents used to name their kids a lot of multiple middle names. Right. Right. To confuse the devil. Exactly. That's a literal thing that people would do. Yeah. So it's kind of crazy, you know, like they they talk about that in the movie and they talk about the maiden names and things like that. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, how she talks to Karis and then when Father Marin goes in later on, I thought that was really cool. Like, Mm -hmm. did you know that he was actually really taken back by her cussing and vulgarity? Oh, Because he's like very gentlemanly. Uh Uh-huh. And like it really, when he stops, you know, that one moment and he Mm -hmm. says, silence. Mm-hmm. It was re- he was really right into it affected yeah. in by that wow. moment. We didn't even mention uh, who who played Father Murin. Max von Sydow. Yeah, he was forty three years old in this role. Oh yeah, yeah, and yeah. And he yeah. played an eighty year old priest, right? Like right. you know, like way older and then he looks the same when he was 80 <laughs> right so he never aged he was like whoever did the makeup yeah. on him to make him look old did like almost an identical job of what he looked like like when he when was he 80. got actually 40 years from yeah there. when he was in force awakens yeah. he was like the same person honestly that was some of the of some really great makeup i mean the only other one that i saw that would kind of even rival it would be the david bowie the hunger one. Oh yeah that's right so, that was really good old person makeup yeah. right like those two are really good there's you know like where we watched the mangler last week which was laughable <laughs> right you know like yeah. it, it obviously can be done poorly mm-hmm. so but yeah that's right i was like god i was like holy shit because like when we first started watching the movie and we see max von Sydow, i was like holy shit dude i was like he hasn't aged a day <laughs> and then i was like oh yeah that's right he's playing an older person in this movie yeah, a way older person than and then aged. i was like oh my god i was because he would be dead if he was that old like there's no <laughs> right. way 
He wouldn't have been in Star Wars: The Force Awakens. Like, it, I was like, did they? And then I started questioning myself. I was like, did they CGI him in? Like, and I'm like, no, that's not true. What the fuck am I talking about? <laughs> So what do you think of this version versus the other one? Do you does anything really stick out to you at all? And- um, the only um, thing that really stuck out to me was uh, when they're developing the mother's character with the protest in the beginning. Mm. That's the only thing that really stuck out to me. And, and they they them leaving that out. Well, then the climbing down the was, stairs thing. Even. Well, yeah, but you know everybody knows that everyone's seen that scene. So it wasn't like a real surprise. You it's know? Tr- I think this movie is very dynamic because you have essentially what is like five different stories going on that all intersect into one another. We get strong presence of, of Father Karis, Father Marin, her mother in this version. Right. Uh, we also get not so much a Reagan, really. Surprisingly, she's the least kind of paid attention to one. Right. And, and kind of kept away as sort of like the, uh, you know, oh, that's the fucked up thing that's going to be fucking me up <laughs> later on. But you also have, yeah, Father Marin, her, the mom. And then right, it was it, like I said before. It is like even this um, uncut version. It is. It's still like a really simple story. Yeah, and in, for know? whatever reason, my mind just never connected the two when I watch Exorcist Three. That the Lieutenant Win- Winderman or whatever right. is the same guy in the Exorcist Three because he likes to watch It's a Wonderful Life with the the priest. Oh. In the third right. movie, uh-huh. and it's I'm pretty sure it's the same. I don't remember if it's the same name. Yeah, George C. Scott plays Kinderman in The Exorcist 3. Mm-hmm. It's just a different actor. Mm-hmm. So, and it's not a bad replacement either, I think. So, but yeah, I don't know. The end is kind of like, oh, wow, she's better. She's got like all these bruises and like scars all over her face. <laughs> because that was the other thing. I was like, holy shit, I forgot that fucking Karis goes to fucking town on her. He's like, you son of a oh, bitch. Oh, yeah, he started hitting and her. And he's like stuff. fucking wailing on her. I'm like, damn, was this in the in the theatrical i can't remember <laughs> it's been a while you know so um yeah he really fucking nails her too like she's like crying <laughs> and shit uh but i always love the ending of this movie and i thought that was like a really nice touch and i think that's what really kind of wraps it up in a bow i honestly really don't even think they really need to explain anything after that right they yeah, could have just had him jump out the window Right. And then and then her holding her daughter and that would have been it. That's it, yeah. They didn't have to do the whole we're moving out of the house and Well they show I mean I, I showing like showing the other priest. I do like that the guy the the other priest went down to the bottom of the stairs, which seventy five <gasps> stairs in all, by the way, in Georgetown on M Street. There's a gas station down there. I've been up and down those stairs. Mm-hmm. The yard that's next to the house, they had to build like an extension because the window is like, there's no way he could have jumped and then rolled down those stairs. Like right. there's a pretty large bit of yard. Right. Even in the movie, it looks like a distance. But like you said, when he when he went down the stairs and the other priest showed up to give him his last right. like holding his hand. Yeah, that was that was great. That, that was, I like. Yeah, I but I don't too. really, I don't think I needed to see that, that she was okay. I feel like... You know what? Maybe you did because maybe the they needed to make clear that she wasn't possessed anymore. Right, and then she gives the priest a kiss, and it's like this weird thing. Right. Yeah. No, it wasn't. That wasn't weird. That was like it's like they said she didn't remember, but I think deep down she knows. Like the priest like helped her. Right. So yeah. Well, yeah, I would be a devout fucking Christian after that if that Catholic. shit happened to me or whatever. <laughs> 
You know what I mean? Like, right. if I got possessed, <laughs> you'd never forget that shit. You know what right, I mean? Right, exactly. Talk about PTSD. Yeah. I'd be scared to go near a fucking Halloween store or anything. You know? <laughs> I probably wouldn't even watch horror movies. Right. Just not to get triggered. Right. You know? <laughs> uh, anyway, we got another movie we're going to talk about, and that is Invasion of the Body Snatchers from 1978. The movie came out, obviously. Both of these movies, by the way, uh, came out in December of their year. It was like December 26th for The Exorcist. Can you imagine? The day after Christmas. Oh my God, that's... Oh yeah, that's right. That's brilliant. And then this one came out, I think it was December 22nd of 1978. So right before Christmas. So it's just weird, you know, (laughs) that these movies thrived in that environment where no movies thrive. Right. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. Uh, So when strange seeds drift to Earth from space, mysterious pods begin to grow and invade San Francisco, California, where they replicate residents into emotionless automatons, one body at a time. <laughs> this movie is directed by Philip Kaufman, who was a writer on The Right Stuff. He also helped write The Raiders of the Lost Ark. He directed The Wanderers, The Right Stuff as well, Rising Sun, Twisted, and a few more. This is, of course, based on the novel by Jack Finney called The Body Snatchers, which the original movie from 1956 was made about. Uh, and this is, of course, the reboot for that movie. You mean they remade movies in the 70s for they movies did. in the 50s? They did that <gasps> twice, actually. Actually, four times. Oh, my God. I'm shocked. That's four of the best remakes ever yeah. are made from movies from the 50s. Well, it sounds like, you know... That's remakes just... are not always that bad. Right, and this is just how the film industry is? Yes. <laughs> it was actually written in a magazine, like the original Invasion of the Body Snatchers, mm-hmm. um, called Collier's Magazine. It was like a serial kind of thing that they did for it. Mm-hmm. He also wrote for like Cosmopolitan Magazine. He did some amazing stories, like he did one of those. They've also done two remakes based off the Body Snatchers. There was the Body Snatchers from 1993, and then there was the Invasion from 2007 with Nicole Kidman in it. I forgot about that movie. Yeah, you know who else was in it? Daniel Craig. Wow, we should watch that. It's actually not too terrible. There's a lot of faces in it. It's not as good as this one, but uh, it's if you're a fan of this, it's like, uh, I kind of like the rush of the beginning but it gets a little cockamamie towards the end the actual screenplay for this movie was written by wd richter who actually wrote stuff like the adventures of buckaroo bonsai big trouble in little china needful things screenplay obviously dracula from 1979 which he also directed the the uh, adventures of buckaroo bonsai by the way as well so Oh. Which also has, guess who in it? Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. I'm going to be mentioning his name quite a bit in this fucking thing. <laughs> Some of the cast in this movie is Donald Sutherland, who plays Matthew Bennell. He's the sort of health inspector guy. He's been in The Hunger Games, Pride and Prejudice, Ad Astra, The Mechanic, Astro Boy, Lord of War, The Italian Job, JFK, Backdraft, and a ton more. He's also Keith or Sutherland's father. Yes. They look kind of similar if you look they, at them. Yeah, they really, especially now that Keith is like older. Kiefer. Keeper. Keeper, Keeper. Whatever his dad's a pothead, man. <laughs> Get that Keith, bro. <laughs> 
We also have Brooke Adams in this, which we talked about not too uh, long ago. She was in the movie... The Unborn that we watched for Labor Day. <laughs> Labor Day. <laughs> for the Voidtober, was it? Or no, it wasn't. It was, it was like recent, though. Yeah, yeah. She was in Dead Zone... She was terrible in Unborn, by the way. She was. Yeah, hilarious. it was pretty bad. Sorry to say. She's great in this, though. Yeah, she was really good in this. Yeah. Actually, I loved her uh, in and in, in quite a bit of this. She was also in Shockwaves, The Stuff, Man on Fire. She even did a few episodes on Moonlighting. Remember with Bruce fucking? Oh, Bruce Willis. Yeah. Do you remember how popular that was? Yeah. It, wasn't it Kathleen Turner and Bruce Willis? I think so. Yeah. That? But yeah, you know who she is. She's she's basically in this. This is probably one of her best roles, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like I think. Um, obviously, we have Jeff Goldblum who's in this movie, which I mentioned already. But you know, obviously, he's been in Jurassic Park, The Fly, one of the four movies from the fifties that I love that are now remakes. Oh, is that was that a remake too from the 50s yeah <laughs> independence day i like his show on disney plus yeah that show's pretty good too yeah, yeah. He's, he's he's really good just being himself yeah he was in uh thor ragnarok as that's, the grandmaster or whatever that's right yeah he's you know he's been the grandmaster for guardians of the galaxy a couple times but but you know who he is He's really great in this movie. We also have Veronica Cartwright, who plays Nancy in this movie. She was in, obviously, Alien, The Witches of Eastwick, Scary Movie 2. She's like, she played a fortune teller in Sabrina, the the TV show on Netflix. Mm -hmm. The sequel of the 2014 The Town of Dreaded uh, Sundown. I like that movie. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. And many more. I really like her, too, as an actress. I feel like she's always been like a secondary character, though. You know what I mean? I mean, she does a good job at that, but I really like her. Yeah, she's good in this. And she's pretty. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, we also have Leonard Nimoy, who plays Dr. Kibner in this movie, obviously better known as Spock, and done quite a few other movies, but, I mean, you, I, I don't need to explain who he is. I love that show that he does, or that he did on the, was it the History Channel or National Geographic, where he narrated? It was like ancient history or something. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> I love that. This movie had a $3.5 million budget, and it made twenty four point nine million dollars at the box office not yeah. as crazy people were not as crazy about it but i still think this is one of the better remakes ever made mm-hmm. what do you think christina well if this was a first time watch for me um i've never really i don't ever remember seeing like a body snatcher movie besides i don't know like the faculty or yeah, i'm really surprised this is your first time yeah yeah you know me i usually don't like to dig into movies like in the 70s it's just kind of boring there's a lot of me. really good ones yeah like this one was really good i was really surprised i was really into it it's yeah. great it was a great story i love the chemistry between uh donald the, sutherland yeah. and, and, and uh brooks yeah and i love how they set Brooke it up Adams. because they weren't really like together a couple they were co-workers and i i just really like that it was i really like that oh my god and jeff goldblum's in this too which is just like yeah, it's very it's very in- insane with the, the things that he's talking about in this <laughs> <laughs> it's just crazy. It's just... I I like him so much. I like Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, like everything. So unique. I'm such a, a huge fan of Dude, him. Dude, one of the most eccentric people on the planet. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you're never going to replace that guy. Oh, no way. But the movie, like, just itself was, like, shot really well. The music was great. You know, it was suspenseful. Yeah. And it was a weird... It's a weird story. It really is. It's like a weird story if anything was to happen like that it would happen because no one would believe 
that pe- you know people are being copied. I'm not. That's not spoiling anything. Sure. Right? No. No. Okay. It says yeah. it in the title. Yeah. Nobody would like believe that. So it's just crazy. It's a really just crazy movie. So yeah. I liked it a lot. It's a sci-fi uh, horror movie, technically. You know what I mean? More sci-fi, I guess. But mm-hmm. sci-fi science is very scary sometimes. Yeah. Exactly. I gave it a nine out of ten. Really? Yeah. Just because I think. You know, maybe The Exorcist, you know, I've seen it so much. And again, it didn't, you know, didn't hold. I think The Exorcist is probably a better film made overall. Uh, Well, yeah, but I mean, since I. Enjoyment factor is another thing. Yeah. I was so into this. Like, I really enjoyed it. So I gave it a really high score. Yeah. What about you? Was this is how how many times have you seen this? Oh, I watch this all the time. I'm surprised I've never watched it with you. Like, I'm pretty sure I watched it one time while you were while I was with you at least twice. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, because I think about this movie all the time. Like, I just I just love this concept. I love the movie. I love how it came about and uh, what the 1956 movie represented for its time. Uh huh. Like one of the like I said, one of the four best horror movie remakes that have ever been made. They all originate from the 50s. You got The Blob, The Thing, From Another Planet, which they did The Thing, which is kind of a, like a reboot, I would say. Uh-huh. Um, the Fly, you know, which also is a remake for Jeff Goldblum in it. Go figure. And, of course, this movie, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, but also one of the few big horror movies in the 70s that really left a mark on the world for me. Mm-hmm. This movie is a PG fucking movie, guys. And they do things that, yes, obviously the 70s allowed you to get away with, which are boobs. Titties. <laughs> Titties on display. <laughs> Old flapjacks like, flipping around. <laughs> I wouldn't really call these ones flapjacks, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> but there is actual gore in this one, too, that I forgot about. And it's actually kind of disturbing gore in my opinion Mm -hmm. but my point is is that this movie still pulled off a really great story and scares in a pg film so it can be done and and it's been tried and copied in in you know multiple other iterations and this is still the best to me i guarantee you you will see it sometime again in the future like this will be a movie that will be remade again Mm -hmm. especially in the times that we're living in right now because it's just one of the stories that would just creep just about anybody else out. There's something inherently scary to to me and I'm sure many others that someone is not who they say they are and are coordinating efforts around you, behind your back. It's just like something that we in- ex- instinctually think about, even with our friends or family or whatever. You know, you experience it to some degree mm-hmm. when somebody betrays you kind of thing. So Changes. it's like, right. It's like yeah. there's something inherently scary about that. The original 1956 film for a lot of people mirrored that red scare that was going on, you know, with the whole, you know, a lot of people were worried that communism was on the rise and that, you know, your own neighbor could be an agent of chaos trying to destroy your way of life, mm-hmm. you know, or, you know, like they, they were going to become like Soviet Union, you know, it's just this crazy thing that was just happening and it was all bullshit, a lot of it. Right. It never happened, but we're living in that time right now, as far as I'm concerned. It's the same thing, you know what I mean? Like, oh, this, you know, 
know, and if you think about it, like back then, like I think corporations were getting taxed like 50 percent. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And now it's like, oh, that's too much, you know, so it's it's <laughs> it's a really different world. Yeah. I think we're far more right than than I think people really realize. realize. Yeah. If you if you compare it to the world anyway. So but I, even still, communism was worried about then and they were worried about it going to take it over the country. And a lot of people um, really do assume that that's what that movie is about. But in either case, it's it's sort of like numbing of our individuality and our emotional psyches through conformity or, you know, group mentality, like uh, large groups, you know, tribalism even, mm-hmm. um, which could be foreign to us. I mean, we're experiencing that now. That's why I'm saying like a movie like this could be easily done. You know what I mean? Because right. like, think of how many people in your timeline or in your friends list or whatever that you don't even talk to anymore because you you never realized that they were this person. Mm-hmm. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. It's kind of like that in a lot of ways. That's that why I sense. say that. Yeah. And I don't care like what you guys think of me. I'm just I'm just pointing it out. I'm not trying to make an opinion about it politically or anything why like that. Why don't you believe what I believe? Right. Like <laughs> I don't care. Like if you're a cool person, you're a cool person to me. Right. But so when people say I hate politics in my film. Uh, uh, 1956, bro. Okay, 1956. They were talking about this shit, and it wasn't in favor of the people that you think it was. Mm-hmm. It was in favor of the people who were scared of it. You know what I mean? Like those are the people that it was. It was for. So it's just been there in just about everything, whether you knew it or not. Even John Carpenter's They Live was reggae. Reagan era sort of like scare tactics. Right, exactly. Like if you look at They Live, that as a movie mm-hmm. is very much like is about that whole fucking thing. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, I'm just pointing it out because I just think it's I think it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. But just on the pure basis alone of the concept of conformity is pretty scary to many anyway. You know, it's like it's like removing everything that makes you who you are and what you've clung to for the most of your life and identify yourself with. Even people who go through spiritual enlightenment feel this this scare. You know, because they're afraid to detach themselves from the material possessions that they experience. Or the and the things that, they've always thought were right, to be true. That you associate with yourself. And I think as an American, we probably understand that more because we are such consumers. Do you mm-hmm. see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So we, we, we recognize our values and our stuff through the things that we own and, and instead of the experiences that we have necessarily. So when we have that, that moment of like disconnection, we're like, wait, this isn't normal. I don't know. I just think it's interesting to think of it that way. I don't know. Everything that makes us unique and then stripping that away. And then it's kind of a scary thought too. you know, like being turned into something that isn't you. And how would you get away from it? How would you know how to, you know, it's just scary thinking about it in general. Mm-hmm. They'll, you know, like there's a, there's a, there's a segment in the movie. I won't say who said it, but he says there will be no need of hate anymore, nor love, which is just like, oh shit. And I don't know. That's just scary to think about. But this movie as, as a whole as a movie is extremely well shot, extremely Extremely suspenseful, extremely entertaining. Like you said, the Donald Sutherland and Brooke Adams in this, they were, it's like they're meant to be together. And that mm-hmm. subtle, like, sort of like, yeah, you really should kind of thing going on. Right. In the subplot is like a really nice element because it really just brings you closer to them and, and their struggle. Mm-hmm. And you care about them. You don't want anything to happen to them. So later on, when things get crazy, it's a real gamble for you and you mm-hmm. really get invested into their, their, friendship and everything like that so Mm -hmm. plus i mean just the cast in general is just genuinely good 
You know? Right. Leonard Nimoy plays the perfect part. Like, it's totally him. Right. Like, Mr. Analytical. Like, even, yeah. even it's not even stretch from Spock, you know, in, in some ways, because, like, he's typecast as Spock. So, I'm sure he was typecast for this movie because of that. Right. Because he's Mr. Analytical, and he's not open to, you know, these f- weird conspiracy tales or whatever, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You got Jeff Goldblum, who's just an outstanding performance of just being weird and actually kind of funny in some of the parts that he does. Right. While putting him in this really fucked up situation. And then some of the reactions from the people in the movie, like uh, Cartwright, who, you know, just does a phenomenal job of, of panicking and being that person that, you know, just, I don't know, it's scary. Um, I don't know. I, I, I agree with you. I think this is probably like a nine out of 10 for me. It is just one that I'm always going to watch again and again and again and again. I um, see why. I loved the concept of this movie, and I was so yeah. glad to hear that you liked that movie. Yeah. I was so glad. I was like, oh, my God, I can it's now. Trash. It's now garbage. we can share everything. <laughs> this is one of the movies that I don't think, I think, like, everybody knows about, but I don't know I don't know if everybody really appreciates it as much as uh-huh. I do. You know what I mean? Like, right. But, the, you know, that's normal. Like, a lot of people just, I don't know. I still think it stands to date. Just like Videodrome is kind of scary and freaky to me. Mm. Brainwashing and things like that that's- and re- being reprogrammed and stuff like that that's a generation though too that was still applies to today and this this does too yeah do you see what i'm saying see that could probably be remade to be more modern sure you know i don't know i really love this movie and and I'm and I think it's amazing that it was done on a PG. Like that's well, something. Well, it, no, it wouldn't have been PG now. At mean, all. It would uh, be R. They, I think they did a PG thirteen for the two thousand seven, and the same thing with the. I, I don't know. I think the the two thousand or the nineteen ninety three version might have been. Yeah the 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 two thousand seven is PG thirteen, and the Body Snatchers from ninety three was rated R, but it was oh. really really hokey. Like, we're talking, like, kind of reminded me of, like, it, it was done in the way that it was kind of, like, for the time, which was, like, the whole Stephen King miniseries style. Mm-hmm. That's what it feels like a little bit. Body Snatchers. Is that the one? Isn't there another one called the Puppet Masters? That's right. There is. There's another one that is, you know, it's not based off the book. Yeah. It's called the Puppet Masters, and it's very similar to that, uh, which, guess who's in it, by the way? Donald Sutherland. Oh, really? Yeah. So come on, there's no no way that they fucking didn't know that. So, and I think I get body snatchers in that one confused a little bit. So maybe, but yeah, uh, what do you guys think? Are you a fan of this movie? Did you enjoy this movie? Do you love this movie? Do you hate this movie? Do you think it's overrated? Uh, did you come in late on it and just not appreciate it? Maybe. I mean, I don't know. Do you think it's it can stand the test of times? Do you agree with me about you know possibly it connecting to today's times as well or not? I don't care. Either way, I'd love to hear from you guys. We do have some trivia on this movie that we'll get into, and it's obviously spoilerific. So if you don't want anything spoiled, I will, of course, tell you now to get the fuck out and check out the end of the podcast where we talk about the next movies we're going to be talking about next week. So here's your warning. Donald Sutherland uh, was actually hit by a Volkswagen Beetle while filming a, a shot of Matthew and Elizabeth running. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> He, like, fell onto the windshield and was able to see the driver saying, oh, God, not you. (laughs) (laughs) I guess he was okay, but. Uh (laughs) Another thing is that Donald Sutherland wanted to do all of his stunts in this movie. 
Oh, really? Yeah, he was like fucking He gung. was into it. He really wanted to be a part of it. He insisted on performing his own stunts in the film Climax. His scenes at the pod factory were, were filmed without harnesses or nets or anything. Wow. So when he's pulling those lights and doing all that stuff, that's uh-huh. all him, baby. There is a scene in the that scene that the a shot of a fireball erupting from the factory. Mm-hmm. He barely missed it. Oh, really? Jeez. Like, although there was an extra that did get hurt. Oh, that's In that sucks. specific scene, he was seriously injured from the explosion at that point. So mm-hmm. um, this, there's about a round of the hour and 20 minute, 24 minute mark where they're taking a taxi ride. Do you remember? They're oh, trying that's to escape. Right. Yeah, going to the airport. Right. Mm-hmm. And Donald Sutherland and Brooke Adams character are nervous. It's it's actual genuine nervousness when they're in that part because the guy who was driving Don Siegel mm-hmm. had lost a lot of his vision and was driving <laughs> through the dark streets of San Francisco. Oh my god! Without his glasses, that's not good. So <laughs> when they were looking around, it kind of added to it. Uh huh. To make sure they weren't going to crash it. <laughs> yeah. Also, there was a taxi. They the taxi cab that they were in. It had a fucking real phone number on it. So they oh, didn't wow. even change the number, and it was actually to a real DeSoto cab in San, San Francisco. Francisco. Yeah, that's funny. I love how this is filmed in San Francisco too. Yeah, like, and you don't really get that many. Yeah, especially for the seventies and stuff. Yeah, you don't get shit like that anymore. They don't film movies in big There's cities. There's a few, but I, I don't know. I think it's, it's just very difficult to film in fucking San Francisco. Well, yeah, I bet. Like anywhere. Gotta shut it all down and shit. So, by the way, so they, a book came out like about the movie or something like that or somebody's experiences or whatever. And it looks like that Brooke Adams, Jeff Goldblum, Leonard Nimoy each got paid $25,000 for their roles. While Donald Sutherland was paid something between two hundred and three hundred thousand dollars and $300,000 for his role. Dang. Yeah. He did all of his own stunts. <laughs> I mean, dude's a natural man in this movie. He's really good. Right. I, I I don't know. Something about him in this role is just so he's so likable. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Especially the beginning scene when he's the health inspector and he goes into yeah, the and French you would normally not like a health inspector, but he does it in such a way that's so funny. Yeah, he really does. A caper. <laughs> no rat turd. Rat turd. <laughs> uh, Harry the homeless banjo guy. You know, the guy that's playing with his dog or whatever? Yeah, I thought that was weird. He performed a song by the Grateful Dead, actually, um, that Jerry Garcia actually did the... Like, when they recorded the banjo playing, Mm -hmm. it wasn't really the guy who was acting it. Right. The guy who was... The actual song that he used, Uh Jerry Garcia actually wrote for the movie. Oh, or like really? he he recorded it live for the movie. Oh, to use in the oh, right. kind of cool. And it's one of their songs that they would tour with when Jerry was around. Mm-hmm. Uh, go- called "Going Down the Road and Feeling Bad," which uh, they played all the time, I guess, on their performances. So mm-hmm. apparently, the night after the movie's release, by the way, someone put pods like those in the movie <laughs> all over the streets of Los Angeles. And some people got so freaked out that they were like actually calling the police because they were like, what the <laughs> what fuck? What the fuck is this? Yeah. <laughs> what great promotional fucking shit that yeah, was. Yeah, that's great. There's no way that it could have been anybody but the fucking people who made that movie. Oh, yeah, totally. You know what I mean? Like yeah. somebody, some jokester was out there fucking planting that shit. For Halloween this year, I really wanted to get red balloons and put them in the, the gutters. Oh, I'm going to do that one of these days, but that's funny. Yeah, that's fucked up. Veronica Cartwright also appeared in the invasion movie from 2007. 
Mm-hmm. She and Kevin McCarthy have both been in two versions of this story. Oh, okay. so Kevin McCarthy did cameos. the original. Mm-hmm. He was the um, the main guy at the end where he's like, "It'll happen to you. It'll happen. They're coming. They're they're invading." Uh-huh. And she was in the 2007 one doing similar things. But a, Kevin McCarthy was the the crazy guy who runs around in traffic and is on the hood, shouting to all the people like, "You're next. You're next." Uh huh. Just like he did at the end of the original movie. Oh, cool. So a lot of people kind of say that this isn't really a reboot or it's actually a sequel uh-huh. because uh-huh. because Kevin McCarthy is actually playing the same character as the original, still running from the pod people. Other people have dismissed this as a sort of a in-jokey cameo and nothing more. Yeah, exactly. This That's... isn't a sequel. How is that a sequel? I... People would have known what was going on. Well, plus they did things a little different in the first movie because there's like the end of the movie, there's like a scene where... He's like, his love is like, he's telling her he loves her and she kind of like instantly changes in that moment Mm -hmm. instead of like, it wouldn't happen that way. Right. So it kind of changes things a little bit. Mm -hmm. Like in the original movie, I'm saying. Right. The 50s version. Veronica Cartwright was uh, also not told about Sutherland's character had been captured and become an alien yet. So at the end of the movie, Ah. she's like, she didn't know that he was going to do that. Oh, that's oh, that's good. Yeah, and she's so good at that part. Yeah, the, I that love her part. screaming yeah. and just I love that. Yeah, that is so frantic and like perfect. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know what it is. So they got that actually. You know, they they filmed it all in front of San Francisco City Hall, and Sutherland pointed to her imitating the pod scream. And Cartwright's reaction of cold fear is 100% authentic, they say. I, so I wonder if they wrote the script differently just to throw her off. They did. They never you know? told anybody about it. It wasn't in the screenplay well, or anything. Except Donald Sutherland, obviously. I mean, yeah, they probably told him personally, though. They yeah. probably didn't have like, anybody. Don't, don't spoil. Don't spoil it. We need the reaction. They might have added it on the spot, you know, just mm-hmm. to kind of... Because it is really tragic because it's like you love that character so much to see him change. Oh, I think it's great. Yeah. Oh, I do too. Because, yeah, it's like it's supposed to be a happy ending. Right. But you know what? It's not always like that. And how are you to find out unless you ask him, right? Mm -hmm. So, But Coffin chose not to shoot the hopeful alternative ending, which was in the shooting script, actually, where Matthew and Nancy give uh, reassuring glances to one another because he did not want to give the studio an opportunity to re-edit the film, which is what occurred with Don Siegel's original film. Nice. So the 1956. Makes sense. Good for him. Smart move. Really was. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, that's pretty much it for the trivia on that. Um, We'll just go over a few scenes that we really liked, some things that we really liked. And uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, what do you want to talk about first? Well, just that the way they, they kind of got into, they briefly introduced the characters and like what they did. And then like immediately they were, they started showing people changing and people complaining about how they're, I really like the laundromat the scene. The build up, you're saying. Yeah, the build up of it. I really like the laundromat scene where Donald Sutherland goes into the laundromat and the man was complaining about his wife. That's not my wife. That's not my wife. That's not my wife. Right. Yeah. That's what, how we said it. But yeah. <laughs> I'm not trying to be racist. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. The laundromat. And then, and then just the subtle things with, 
you see the 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 trash compactors and they're doing trash in the middle yeah, in of the, the back night. everything's in the background that's what i love yeah, too it's yeah. like it's like they're building tension in the most subtle way possible in this mm-hmm. movie the subtleness to all the things that they do in this movie all have an impact and they all come to a head at certain points in time that i think are just like really genius how they did it mm-hmm. like you're saying like even when she's like walking to work amanda brooks character the uh i can't think of her name mm-hmm. she's like going to work and her husband's already like acting weird remember right right and 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 she <laughs> which i was like thinking like can you imagine what it would be like to wake up and i just like started acting weird towards you and like took out the trash acting all weird or whatever i wouldn't say anything i'd be gr- that'd be great <laughs> <laughs> so you'll prefer alien alex over me i guess then. yeah <laughs> Change over. Go do the dishes. Yeah, he's Let's like, I'm happy to do the dishes. Start Christina. vacuuming. Yes, please, please. <laughs> you know, there would be no laughter with me anymore, right? You would have none of that anymore. Oh, but there would be cleanliness. <laughs> <laughs> cleanliness is better than happiness. <laughs> anyway, I make myself laugh, bitch. <laughs> when she goes to work and you start seeing like a couple of people running here and there. It's not like they're not like, hey, look, 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 like it's affecting her as a character. It's just happening in the background. And I love that. It is so it's such a hands off way to build the tension without, you know, like one of my favorite movies that has like one of those openers that you're just like, oh, my God, Mm -hmm. this is so good. It's like Dawn of the Dead remake. Yeah, I was. was, It's it's just like it just really builds. And this is like a a really subtle way. Same thing. Like, I love the invasion of the body snatchers because it has that same sort of uh zombie like takeover like you're like yeah and the very first scene was kids picking flowers oh my god that's so right. it's it's like they really did it was just like right off the bat you like, see all these fucking like sea anemones or whatever the fuck they were called mm-hmm. they're like uh they talk about they were on a like a planet of uh was it neptune I don't know what it was. No, that's what it was. It was on the the moon of Jupiter, one of the moons of Jupiter. Mm -hmm. It like flies off of Jupiter and then flies over to ours. And then the first line in the whole fucking movie is like, go ahead, kids. Go ahead. There's some more. Go pick some more flowers. And you realize you've already watched the the slimy gelatin float down and get caught in the rain. Mm-hmm. It's on the leaves. They show like reverse camera photography of this veins kind of coming out. That's right. Attaching to the leaf. That was so then cool. Then creating a cocoon and then creating like, you know, and then the kids are picking it and you're just immediately, the first thing in your head is, is well, that's not right. Right. They even have another scene like that later on when they're already have taken over mm-hmm. and the kids are showing up for fucking a field trip. Remember? Mm-hmm. And they're like, but I don't want, there's like one of the kids. He's like, I don't want to go to sleep though. And they're like, you know, and it's mm-hmm. like, oh man, they're going to fucking get the kids too. Right. Like it's like kind of fucked up. Like if you think about it, like crazy yeah i thought that was really cool obviously the whole you know part where matthew played by donald sutherland is a health inspector bit where he goes to the french restaurant where they have like you know really fancy food where they overpriced and charge right, or whatever right and he finds a rat turd in the soup and they're arguing over it being a, a peppercorn like a I call a caper uh-huh which is just <laughs> the fancy term yeah pretty much and he's like a caper a caper it's like, you'll eat it. He's like, if you think it's so good, then if it's just a caper, then you go ahead and eat it. He's like, immediately. He's like, like, no. Yeah, maybe I should. That was great. It <laughs> yeah. was really great. 
but yeah, like Elizabeth and Matthew become friends. You find out that they're really close friends because they become friends over the course of like however many years. He like gets her to test things so that you can test to see if it's like yeah, because she's like a lab scientist, right? Or and something. he's the health yeah. inspector, he's right? Health, yeah, same department they're working for. I really enjoyed the whole scene. At first, I didn't understand what was going on, but the whole scene with the in the spa which just starts going down. Okay. And they first show the first duplication, which was uh, uh, Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, his character, Jack. Yeah, yeah. that's great. I actually, I mine goes right before that, where they go to see Kibner, because Elizabeth uh-huh. is, Elizabeth, played by Brooke Adams, is like, going crazy. She's, she's like, my husband's not who he is. I know he is, and I watched him all day, and she's like about to cry. She cries on Matthew's shoulder, and he's like, look, I, I have someone that, you know, you should speak to. He's a therapist, and she, he's like, not like that way. He's like, just talk to him, and he might put things into perspective for you. And that guy's having a book signing that night, and Jack, Jeff Goldblum, he's really great in this scene because they go to the bookstore, and he's there, and he's like just constantly talking Mm -hmm. while fucking uh, Donald Sutherland is trying to make a phone call because that guy who played that that was um, Kevin McCarthy Mm -hmm. from the original 1956 version gets killed, and then he's trying to report the killing because he saw a cop standing out there. That's right. That's right. But they weren't. They were just right. trying to cover it up so that nobody fucking said anything. Mm-hmm. And he goes there, and um, Jeff Goldblum just keeps talking over him. And, and I would have gotten mad, but not Donald Sutherland. He's like, yeah, just can you, hey, can you just wait a second? I'm trying to talk to the police here. <laughs> He's like, yeah, but I can't believe that his book is, everybody thinks that Kidner is just so fucking amazing. And like, everything he says is just so fucking amazing. <laughs> like, he's really jealous. And they even go to the extent when they go to where... Kibner is talking to a woman who is thinks that her husband's not who he is. Right. And then Elizabeth identifies with her and slips her a note. And then mm-hmm. Kibner tries to like form it together and piece them back together, even though he really isn't. He's an alien. Right. The and whole it's time. Like, he's so narcissistic mm-hmm. that he is that way. But then Jack leaves and they go to like they have this conversation with Elizabeth and Kibner and and Matthew and everything. And Jack comes over and he starts yelling at him. He's like, did that scare you? He's like, when I did that just now, and like Matthew pushes him into the store and he's like, okay, I guess we're going in the store now. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Just like everything that fucking like Jeff Goldblum was doing there was just genius shit. That had to have been like improv too. Oh, it is. I guarantee you it was. Because he's just like stream of consciousness. There's no way. Yeah. Yeah. You can't get him to do that. He like answered the phone. He grabbed the phone out of Donald Sutherland's hand. He was like, hello, police. Can I, how can I help you? And he's like, give me the goddamn phone. <laughs> <laughs> but like when he, the one thing that I noticed and I never noticed before in this movie, and I've seen this movie a lot of times is when Jack goes to the spa where his wife is working mm-hmm. or his girlfriend or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he gets mad. She's like, oh, you picked up Kibner's book, new book. Have you read it yet? Is it any good? And he just throws it down. <laughs> What you don't know is that he's a poet and he writes poetry and uh, Kibner is just making fun of him the whole time. Mm-hmm. So he's just mad at his success because he's trying so hard. And I can so relate to that. And so <laughs> in some regard, you know what I mean? Right. Because really Kibner is the fucking is the phony. Mm-hmm. He's the one trying to force his ideals onto people mm-hmm. while 
someone like Jack is just trying to express himself mm-hmm. and the joy and love of things and he doesn't get appreciated. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. it's like a little interesting subplot that doesn't really plan out anywhere. It just kind of adds tension to the whole yeah, dynamic to the relationship. Yeah. yeah. And because they, you know, later on you him and Kibner join up when they're aliens. But you did you notice that he had a tear rolling down his face when he was in the spa? Yeah. That was like, I've never noticed that before. Like, I've seen this yeah? movie so many times, and I never realized that he was so upset that he was actually crying in it. It was so weird. I don't know, but it's just a subtle thing that I really like that they actually paid attention to. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, is like good character development. That is mm-hmm. good character writing and good character direction, mm-hmm. is to add little subtle things like that in the movie that this movie does a lot of that I really appreciate. So. Mm-hmm. And I liked how they they had to fall asleep in order to start duplicating. Which is insanely scary. Yeah, because it's like you, you have to sleep. Like, that's a part of living. Like, Dude, you I have fucking to fall sleep. asleep on the couch when I eat a fucking sandwich. Yeah. There's and, no way I would survive. And you still don't get up in vacuum. Oh, my God, Christina. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get up and do something else maybe, here in a minute. Maybe this is why you don't get any good sleep. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because the vacuum. There you go. God, they're gonna think I'm just a piece of shit. <laughs> just jokes. All right, all it's right. Just jokes. Tone it down over there, fucking Billy. <laughs> um, now I don't even know where the fuck we left off because you got me all confused. Okay, one of my other scenes that I love, and I'm you know, and then I'll give it back to you, and then we'll wrap her up or whatever. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of moments in this movie that are just really body horror. You know? Yeah. I love body horror because it's it's not like overtly fucking disgusting or anything it's just slightly and it kind of oozes into you and kind of seeps into you this un you know unease mm-hmm. because the bodies that these people turn into their duplicates are like covered in hair they're greasy mm-hmm. they're form shapeless they're like identities are stripped from them and then they slowly come in and it's like you're seeing yourself like they wake up a couple of times and see themselves there was that the one Cause like, you know, they build that up. Like you don't really like they do it first with the spa, which I really liked. Right. Cause that was like, it opens its eyes. And you're just like, you're learning a little bit more about it each, each time that it happens. They are on full alert now. They've tried to escape everyone. Kibner has come over to the house and we're not even sure if he's changed yet or not because his mm-hmm. personality is just so fucking left. Like, I don't know how to explain it. Like he's not very emotional. Right. And he's, he's all logic. Right. Um, but he, uh, he leaves and then they are, he's like, get some sleep, you know, guys, get some sleep. And, and she, you're like, oh. Yeah. And, and, and then like Jack and Nancy stay while Elizabeth goes into Donald's bed and, 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 uh, or oh, Donald's fucking Matthew's bed. <laughs> and then Matthew drinks a beer and then sits outside in the back of his yard mm-hmm. and he falls asleep. And that's when the pods, these big ones, start fucking spitting out versions, little baby versions of them. Yeah, it was creepy. Which is fucking creepy, gross, and, like, disgusting. Mm -hmm. And, like, Nancy just happens to wake up in the middle of all of it. And she's, like, screaming at Matthew while he's in this, like, sort of coma. And he wakes up and he's like, what, what? And then you see, like, he looks around him and there's, like, all the bodies. And he's like, go wake up everybody else. And he, like, stomps on his own head. Yeah, that was so cool. And it, like, caves in. And it's, like, mm-hmm. this, like, Cadbury egg style fucking yeah. stomp, you know? <laughs> like, and it's so, ugh. Like, there's something unsettling about that whole fucking scene Yeah, right about there. stomping your own head. Right. 
so you can live. It's crazy. There, there was another scene like that with the banjo guy. Remember, he finds a dog when they're yeah. running by him and they step over okay, him. Okay, explain that to me a little bit because I don't really get how they he turned into a dog person. Well, I mean, I, there's no like, science behind it, but oh, I would okay. assume I, I would assume it. that there were probably going to be uh, they were going to the pod was either going to make two different versions, like one for the dog or. No, I bet you it was only going to make one for the banjo guy and right. not animals. Yeah, not animals. That's what I'm thinking, because we didn't see any other versions of animals in there. Right. But it is an alien, so it's it's only taking over life to survive. It doesn't need necessarily a consciousness, like, because mm-hmm. that's what they say in the movie is, like, the point of life is to survive. Mm-hmm. Um, But, yeah, like, when the dog and him are sleeping on the sidewalk, he kicks the fucking the pod. While it's oh, affecting him. Okay. And I think it somehow grabbed both of them and made a, and then made a combo. And that looked really cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, they, they pretty much just creepy. put a mask over the dog's head. But was it like, was it, was that special effects? No. No, they, no because they wouldn't have special they effects. They literally like that. put a mask on a dog's head. It was head creepy as fuck. Because its tongue comes out the mouth hole uh-huh. and it's like. <laughs> That's creepy as fuck. Yeah, dude. that was cool. I love that. See, yeah, like I that. That's too. that's just like an extra bit of lore to the whole fucking thing. That's like, yeah. what else is possible? Like, right. That's what I think of when I'm like, oh my god. Like, right. I don't know. I just thought that Crazy. was a nice a little subtle touch that they put something else like that, and they even went to the effort to kick the pod to make that as an example later on. It wasn't just of why. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Maybe they were like, why wouldn't he just walk by them and not help him? Right. Because that's what I was thinking. Yeah, but you can't you can't anymore. Like and that's why the ending of this movie is so great, is because literally like how are you gonna escape this? Yeah. Everyone has to sleep. Well, it becomes very apparent by the end. Like yeah. they keep feeding you little bits of hope every once in a while. Yeah. And it becomes apparent that like once Elizabeth that was another fucking crazy scene is when she fucking melts in his arms. Yeah. He leaves her for like five seconds because he hears the, um, I forget what song it is on the bagpipes. Do you remember? Taps or something? I don't know. How sweet the sound. I found a wretch like me. Oh, yeah, because that was like the hope. Because, like, why right. would they be playing something like that? They don't have any emotions to music. They were like, oh my God, the, 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 the harbor, they're just pulling in, so they're not affected. We can be saved. Yeah. And then you find out that. They just had the music playing anyway. Yeah. And they switch it over to the dialogue, which is them saying, please make sure that you are shipping your your robotic voice all over the place. Right. You know. To your relatives. And it's just like hope is stripped away from you. Yeah. He goes back. She's fallen asleep finally. And she's so far gone that the other one's practically alive and walking around and she melts in his hand and his reaction to that was like yeah it was great really good yeah (gasps) and then then the duplicate pops up and she's like join us (laughs) go to sleep yeah it's really not that bad matthew a rich or what do you say jack was right (laughs) yeah that's what she said jack was right join us but yeah, the end is really like the cherry on the top. Yeah. It just, uh, yeah, it's like there's no hope. Right. 
That's why I like the mist ending too. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, exactly. I'm not gonna say what it is because you haven't seen yeah. it. Well, but... Cabin in the Woods too. It's the same yeah, deal. You know? kind of thing. They were always talking about making a prequel. I forget who I talked to about that. They were talking about making a prequel. I actually talked to somebody. They could do that where they're like they were like on the other side of you know the country well, or something. Well, a lot of people don't know this, Spreads. but in Cabin in the Woods, and I know this is completely off the subject, but in Cabin in the Woods, they talk mm-hmm. about an incident that happened in '95 or something like that. Oh, that's right. The and they just guy, yeah. briefly mention it just like oh well we don't want to have that incident like we did in 95 right, right and then it's like well that's what they could do yeah they they yeah they totally could yeah they could yeah the, the incident in 78 and it would be fun because they're good at writing that kind of shit it's yeah you know what i mean so yeah. anyway they could make fun of the 90s i mean which they were kind of doing in that movie anyway mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> so um but yeah that's pretty much it for this movie guys and uh i know this one's a little bit longer i mean these are two really good films so there's a lot to say about them and uh i hope you enjoyed the little bit of extra there that uh you know i'll try to document everything down below so that you can kind of skip around and kind of hear uh about each of the segments you know um so that you know if you don't have the time to listen all the way through but for those of you goddamn legends that listen to any end let me tell you something you're the fucking best (laughs) (laughs) so next week we will be watching two newer movies by the way we decided to do two new movies because hell yeah um we're gonna be watching don't breathe two and old 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 yeah so we should do old old, don't breathe too i mean do you think you remember enough of it yeah 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 okay well just want to make sure you know i always feel like i need to watch it in case we miss something you know what i mean but maybe i'll just watch it on my own and and watch the the sequel you know what i mean um but yeah uh we'll watch old and uh don't breathe too that just came out this year um they're all getting released so they're out now um, I think it's on DVD now. Um, and then the Don't Breathe 2 is coming out on Tuesday, the 26th. So you guys should be able to, that'll be like the day at, tomorrow for you guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we'll watch it for them. Uh, but yeah, guys, thank you so much for fucking hanging out with us for Voidtober. I hope you've enjoyed it. Don't forget this Wednesday, we're doing a watch party. It's the last watch party for Voidtober. We're going to be watching either Death Ship or Death Machine, and both of them are pretty fucking wild movies. I I don't know. I haven't seen them in fucking forever, so uh, I would love to watch them with you. Christine's going to be joining me. I will be joining you. So we'll have some drinks, some fun, some laughs. All you need is Amazon Prime. Uh, other than that, congratulations to you, Terry, for winning. Thank you guys so much for everything. So I hope you have a great Halloween. Happy Halloween! And as always, Bloodless Voice.